Nebraska Grows, a podcast for commercial fruit and vegetable growers in Nebraska. My name is Carol Waters, your host. And with me this week, the, the first guest of 2024 is Katia Kohler-Cole. She's a water and cropping, water and crops educator and also a SARE um, manager. So, Katia, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Carol. So, um, yeah, so I am uh, I'm a water and crops educator, and my official title is statewide soil health management extension educator, which is a, a mouthful. <laughs> so, um, I've been in this role for about a year and a half, and before that, I was a researcher in the Department of Agronomy here at UNL, um, and most of my work is with cover crops and soil health. So that is a huge topic amongst our uh, growers is cover crops. And I get a lot of new growers who are interested in cover crops. They don't really know what they are. They know they should be doing it, but they don't know where to start, when to start, how to start. So let's start with what is considered a cover crop. What? Why would people be interested in cover crops? Yeah, and that's a great question because almost any crop could be a cover crop. So what we're looking for in a cover crop typically is something that establishes quickly and uh, that will not become problematic later on. So we typically uh, uh, terminate a cover crop when it's in the vegetative stage. So before it goes and makes seed. Um, However, having said that, you know, occasionally we do get something that that has flowers and sometimes we want flowers for some additional pollinator benefits or things like that. So in that case, we want something that even even though it may produce seed, it's not going to become a weed. Um, So some examples of common cover crops, and most of my work is with farmers who grow corn and soybean and wheat. So, you know, your your conventional row crop farmers. So for those guys or for those people, the, the most common, most popular cover crop by far is cereal rye. Um, and that is a small grain. It's the same species that, you know, the rye bread is made from. So cereal rye is usually planted in the fall after corn or soybean harvest. Um, it stays in the ground until the following spring. Um, and then it's it's terminated. Usually, most farmers use some combination of Roundup with possibly some other chemicals. It's usually chemically terminated before the next crop is planted. And that termination will usually happen in April to early May. Um, Sierra rye is, is perfect in that role because it is very winter hardy. It starts growing early. It 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 produces a, quite a bit of biomass. You know, we want a, a crop for a cover crop. We want something that produces biomass quickly. Um, so zero right is ideal for that. However, it has to be terminated. So that could be an obstacle uh, for vegetable growers, you know, especially when you're thinking about a situation where you may not want to use chemicals. Um, now, I know organic farmers will also grow cereal rye and they may uh, have equipment to terminate it uh, one example would be roller crimping equipment so that that mechanically kills the rye by just breaking the stems basically um but in a you know in a, in a small scale or even home garden situation you you typically don't have access to such things um so there are other ways of of killing the rye it it could also be terminated by by mowing it you'd have to do that several times so 
while I really like Sierra Rye and it is a recommendation for conventional farmers to grow it, I, I would say I would be a little bit hesitant in a vegetable uh, growing environment because of the difficulty of terminating it. So, you know, if we're starting to think about, you know, okay, we don't want to terminate, what can we grow then? There's a whole bunch of other things that uh, uh, will actually frost kill in Nebraska. So we could still grow a small grain or a grass cover crop. Um, and I should say this, we we always want, um, well, always, but preferably we're growing a mix. Um, and the mix should always have a grass cover crop in it. The grasses are my favorite for improving soil health. They have these really fine uh, roots. So there's a lot of root biomass. And, you, you know, we actually want a lot of those small roots to really um, go into the soil, you know, to make small pores, to you know, break up hard shells. We tend to sometimes, you know, think, oh, we need we need something deep, like some deep tap rooted things. But I, I actually think the grasses overall over time are probably, you know, the best as far as soil health and improving soil quality. So having said that, you know, we can add some other things to the grasses, um, brassicas or some legumes. So you increase the benefits that you get from that. So some of the, you know, some of the cool season, like winter killed or frost killed cover crops in a situation where you want to plant something in the fall or maybe early spring, you could experiment with oats. And barley, they typically will still winter kill in Nebraska. Um, you could add some uh, members of the brassica family, collards, kale, um, even rapeseed. It's fairly cheap cover crop. Um, and then you could throw in some um, some some peas, just the regular you know garden peas, spring peas, or um, or even some um, hairy veg. Hairy veg, though, is, is also kind of hard to kill. So that's just a caveat right there. Um, if you are in an environment where you may want to get some uh, something established during the summer, maybe after an early spring crop, um, there are a lot of opportunities there. So the summer annual cover crops are, um, again, there's a, several grass species that we can choose from. Um, the millets are fairly well behaved. We have the sorghum and Sudan grasses. Those are uh, fun to watch. You can watch them grow basically. But again, you know, you're going to get a lot of growth and biomass production that you may not be prepared for. So for a beginner, I would probably say stick with something like a millet or even just oats um, for your grass. Now, again, you want to ideally have a mix of a few different species. It doesn't have to be anything complicated, but you could, you know, if you're thinking about summer annual crops, you could add, um, you could add some peas or some beans, um, um, yeah, in, into that mix or even some brassicas again. Um, so, so that, that those are your options in the summer. And, uh, you know the the I, the good thing with the summer cover crops is they all they all winter kill. So ideally, you know, you don't have to do that work of terminating them. So for someone who is brand new and is just starting to think about it now, when should mm -hmm. they start planning to plant? Is it mm -hmm. in the early spring? 
Does is it crop dependent? Does it depend on their goals for their farm? What what's best for the producers? Yeah, so it, I would say it depends on the goals and uh, that you have on your farm and also the crops that you're growing. So if you wanted to plant uh, something in the spring, um, you could, uh, that's a good time, early spring, you can plant some really, um, you know, pretty frost hardy things like like the cool season. Again, oats or barley would be great, you know, with some added brassicas probably. Um, and they would give you quite a bit of um quite a bit of biomass so you'd also get some benefits probably for organic matter in the soil however um you will have to terminate those you know they go uh they start producing seeds fairly quickly and again then you're running into the same situations how do you kill it so for somebody just starting out i would probably say grow a cover crop um after you harvested a crop whether that is like a, a, a so sometime in the summer or, or early fall. I think that's probably where I would start out. And then I would choose something that that uh, frost kills. So in my own garden, um, I plant oats um, in the fall. And sometimes I add some some collards and some peas to it. Um, and I plant that in, in about September um, after some of my crops that I've harvested and then they, they, you know, they, they grow and they establish, um, they, they cover the ground, they provide living roots on the ground. So lots of benefits for our soil microbes, lots of soil health benefits, but then they die. <laughs> That's what I want them to do. So I don't have trouble with them in the spring. So I know a lot of producers who have done cover crops for years talk a lot about um, rotation schedules. How important is rotating crops within cover crops? Yeah, and that is and that is a great point. That's something that we we don't have to think about typically so much when when we think about our uh, conventional row crop farmers. But you know, you probably want to avoid cover crops in your rotation that are in the same family. As your as the crops that you're growing, or at least you want to you want to space them out just like you would with the crops that you're growing. So, again, the good uh, the advantage here is to use grass cover crops because most of us, unless you're growing corn, you know we don't really grow a lot of grass cover crops. So, you know, adding some grasses in that usually helps actually break some of those disease cycles. And unless you're growing corn, you know you're probably not going to have to have to make any huge adjustments, but um, some of the other popular cover crops like the, the the brassicas, you'd probably have to, yeah, you have to make some adjustments. Um, some other families that you could consider for cover crops that are not closely related to most of our crops are, um, are those, well, the buckwheat is in a family that I think it's polygonacea, it's, it's not really often grown I think so buckwheat is a, is a good cover crop there um and uh and probably some of the clovers although you could run into some issues with other legumes I I'm not super familiar about that but um yeah make sure that that uh you don't you don't you don't cause yourself more troubles in the long run sure the other question I get a lot um for folks who are starting out or just starting with cover crops is, 
can they get any kind of assistance for putting in cover crops? Whether that's um, NRCS or maybe SARE. I know you're more familiar with SARE funds. What, what are some options for growers who are interested in getting into cover crops, uh, wanting to implement this as a conservation practice on their farm? How can they get some assistance? Yeah, NRCS is probably uh, your best bet. Um, so through those conservation practices, um, there's a couple of other organizations that or, or groups that also provide um, some cost share. Some NRDs provide some cost share. You'd have to check. Um, there is, you know, there's funding available through SARE, for example, but you would have to, you know, submit an application Um um, to SARE. So um, probably first check with your NRCS and NRDs. Um, and then another organization that I'm familiar is with is uh, I'm familiar with is Practical Farmers of Iowa. I think again they're more focused on row crop farmers, but it doesn't hurt to ask or check their website. So they do have cost share programs available for cover crops. Great. Um, speaking of cost and Maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but what are the economic benefits for cover crops? Um, how much does it cost to get into putting in a cover crop and what what are what are they getting out of it? Yeah, and I would say that that the big factor here is what species do you pick? Um, so some of the cheaper species, the small grains and the brassicas, although they can be quite expensive, the small grains. So let's let's think about like oats or or even cereal rye. If you if you want to try that out, you know they usually run about, I would say, thirty to forty cents per pound. If you are a larger grower and you can you know buy more, you'll get a little bit cheaper. Um, so so those ones and then you know you, you're thinking about the seeding rate so here you can probably if you're experimenting with small grains you can probably get them established for about i'm gonna say about 15 dollars an acre you know it kind of also depends on your machinery and, and other costs but the seed itself for the small grains is fairly cheap um for most of the grasses indeed it's fairly cheap um once you're thinking about adding legumes or, or especially the clovers or um or buckwheat or things like that it gets more expensive um but that's why i you know i recommend you know designing a simple mix on your own um we, there's plenty of resources on the internet or you can you know you can contact me directly if you have questions about that but um some of the mixes that are offered through the, the dealers are very expensive and it doesn't have to be that expensive or that complicated. So just a few species and yeah, just to get you started. Oh, and you also wanted to know economic benefits of yes. cover crops. Well, you know, um, if we're starting, you know, if we're thinking about cover crops that to improve soil health, that'll take a while, but you know, usually two to three or even longer, two to three years or longer to to see benefits but the benefits that um you know you can expect are greater organic matter which you know makes a huge difference for pretty much everything better water infiltration less erosion you cover your soil 
Um, and the whole, you know, covering the soil with biomass, it can also help with a lot of weed issues. So um, so that's where in, in conventional farming settings where we see the biggest um, economic benefits are that over time, farmers improve the organic matter and so, you know, improve nutrient cycling. And over time, they can usually reduce um, pesticide and sometimes nitrogen application rates. Great. So you you touched on it briefly, um, but talking about equipment that somebody might need to get started in cover crops, uh, a lot of our producers are, I'm going to say, under five acres. What kind of equipment should they expect to need to have access to to be successful in integrating cover crops into their operation? Yeah, so let's start with with planting equipment. Um, you know, I you probably have, you know, d- depending on what on what you're growing, you may already have equipment that you can use to plant cover crops. Um, so that that that's a benefit. Um, and then you know, if you have to terminate your cover crops, in other words, you. It's not frost that kills it. Um, then you'd have to think about, you know, do you want to mow it? Do you want to roll a crimp it? Um, I'm not sure of small scale roller crimpers, but I'm sure they exist. Um, you know, as far as mowing it, um, you could use a lawnmower or things like that. Um, so I think that's that's probably where where you have to to be a little bit more creative is, is usually determination. So basically they need something to prepare the seed bed and something to kill off the cover crop. So I mean, just of it. I don't prepare a seed bed for my cover crops, okay. <laughs> but that kind of, again, that kind of depends on, on, you know, how you're set up with. I don't. Yeah. So. So how do you, how do you do your cover crops? Um, so in our field settings, we are usually no-till. Now farmers have a lot of equipment, but in our demonstration plots where we planted by hand, um, so we actually have a JP Cheng seeder. I think that's what they're called, JP Cheng. Yeah, so that's what we've been using. In my own garden, you know, the smaller seeded cover crops, I just broadcast them and then water them in a little bit, but I don't do anything extra. But again, you know, that people have all kinds of different opinions on that. So that kind of depends a little bit on, on what you're used to. So it's it's a matter of keeping it kind of simple in the beginning. I would say so. And that's what why I would recommend for somebody just starting out, you know, plant it in like late summer or early fall and let it let it winter kill. Okay. Um in the next few minutes what what would you consider your take-home message for any producer who was getting into cover crops yeah the take-home message is you know think and and plan ahead what are your goals um you know if it's soil health is it you know um suppressing weeds you can usually you can usually uh you know, check off a few boxes with each cover crop, but, um, but yeah, keep it simple. You know, don't, don't have too many species that is, you know, it just makes things more complicated. And then also think about, 
you know, how, how you kill the cover crop, you know, what do you do if, if you can't, you know, get to it in time, because the last thing you want is create more problems down the road. But, um, Having said that, you know, I think cover crops are uh, a great way to improve the health of your soil, to get a little bit more life in your soil. Um, and uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, just try it out. <laughs> All right. And I guess I would add, um, if people are interested in cover crops, learning more about cover crops, we do have the Local Foods Healthy Farms Conference coming up. It's sponsored by Nebraska Extension as well as the Nebraska Sustainable Agriculture Society, where that's a focus is really caring for the soil. Using uh, cover crops is definitely a hot topic amongst participants in that conference. Um, that's coming up in January 26th and 27th in Columbus. So if you're interested, uh be sure to look up the Local Foods Healthy Farms Conference, and we'd love to see you there. Katia, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you, Carol. And thank you for joining us and listening to Nebraska Grows. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts.